Hi, this is Freddie Moyano. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond with your host, Stephen Brittingham. Hi, this is Carrie Genzel, actor, producer, creator, and writer of State of Slay. I invite you all to join me on my blog, stateofslay.com. Slay, in this case, being an acronym for Self Love Appreciate You. As I talk about my journey from the darkness of depression to living in the light today and finding self love and forgiveness for myself, it is a sense of community, a place of sharing, of love, and a place where we inspire and encourage one another. So come and join me and all the other slayers at stateofslay.com. Slay on. Hollywood and Beyond podcast with Cincinnati host Stephen Brittingham. Experience meaningful and in-depth interviews with Hollywood's most interesting people. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. This is host Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening and welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. My special guest today grew up in Spain, eventually moving to the U.S. and was based in the greater Chicago area. After years of working for private corporations in the Midwest and after 14 years of doing exactly that, he decided to pursue artistic projects by becoming an actor. His talents also extend to that of a professional voiceover artist. Let me tell you, folks, he does sensational voiceover work and narration. His name is Freddie Moyano, and I am so excited to have him here with me today on the show. Here is a portion from Sins of the Sun from Freddy's most successful audiobook. One of the guards tried to talk to him, but the door was already closed shut. Only a faint, they're having dinner, reached Francesco's ears through the door. Francesco headed toward the dining room. The dining room was breathtaking. The soft afternoon light entering through the glass partition, covering the entire wall, combined with the sweet flickering light from the fireplace, was creating a soothing atmosphere. His family was already eating, sitting on the big mahogany table. The table could easily host ten, maybe more people, but only three were enjoying dinner today. His beloved father, his mother, and his not-so-friendly brother. They were talking quietly, as they were enjoying a dish of bacala la vicentina. He even does an outstanding job with various voices. Excellent job indeed. Why did Freddie leave a stable way of life and start an artistic journey? Let's all find out together. Growing up in Spain, acting, 
voiceover work, there is just so much to discuss today. He is not only a talented artist, but a great guy, too. Freddie Moyano, welcome to Hollywood and Beyond, sir. Thank you, Stephen. It's always a pleasure to listen to your voice, and especially over the phone. I've listened to your podcast before many times. I, I, I can't believe I'm here on the air, and uh, I hope uh, this interview will turn out great, and you know, uh, we'll get to have a few good laughs, and we'll all learn together. Sounds absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for the kind words and, and for all of your encouragement and support. Uh, that was just so uh, thoughtful of you to say. It means a lot to me. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, speaking of great voices, my friend, you certainly have one. I really enjoy your narration style. Uh, your voice uh, definitely gets the job done and then some. So I thought Thanks. I would go ahead and say, why don't we start things off today actually discussing your voiceover work? And sure. how um, did you first become involved with the voiceover experience as an artist? Well, this dates back uh, to the, and thank you so much for the kind words, by the way. <laughs> this, uh, this goes back to the 1990s in Spain. I did have the chance to become a radio sportscaster on the radio uh, at a college level. And I was always fascinated more so than with press and TV with the power of the voice and how it can be put on tape, how it can be elevated into telling a story. And then on my fourth year of college, I had the blessing of getting an internship, uh, to, uh, which is some sort of like a scholarship to go to Brussels in Belgium. It was on uh, a school where... They all spoke uh, French. Everything was in French, and that's my third language. So actually, that it was a pleasure for me to practice it. And so one of the uh, subjects there was a radio editing-type subject, and it consisted of editing and creating your own sound effects with a group of five or seven folks. You know, the class was divided in groups. And over the course of uh, the semester try to come up with uh, a story, basically like an audiobook, uh, no longer than 10 minutes, a story. And so that fascinated me. In fact, I think my group did a great job, but the group that won, that got the, the highest amount of votes in, from the class, uh, it was definitely my favorite. They did a great, uh, and I still remember the scene where there was, it, was like a, it was like a car crash, so, so they managed to, to pull the sound effects out of the car crash to make it sound like that, and then they said, well, we really, it wasn't really, we did this with like some, I don't know, 10 cans, and I'm thinking, wow, how is it possible to kind of trick the mind into that and to make it sound so great? So that really was the root of my passion for it, but let me tell you, uh, that was in 2001, that semester, and then things, things were kind of buried in my mind. Uh, I, you know, I, I got married, I, I have four beautiful children, I, I'm enjoying every minute still yet today with them and such, and, and, and you know how, how those dreams are, they, they never go away, they're kind of parked in the, in the bottom of your mind, and so that's what happened with me, and then all of a sudden, 
in 2016, I I was in Los Angeles helping out a great uh, mentor of mine, Sergio Bruna, with a motivational show, and he encouraged me to open my own company and to kind of get started in showbiz, and then I decided once I opened my own company and corporation to, to do all of this work, I decided to start... Um, you know, uh, self-teaching myself and going on the internet and see, I want to do an audiobook. I want to be heard. I had listened to previous audiobooks many over the years, um, uh, and, and so I kind of thought by listening to, in fact, a great um, icon on uh, the audiobook industry that I love, David Suchet, uh, played the uh, Poirot detectives and and all of that. I he put so many different voices, so he inspired me. To, to come up with my own style, you know, and so that's kind of in a nutshell how, how it started. Thank you for the detailed and very interesting um, information. I really enjoyed uh, hearing all that you had to describe and share with me and the listeners. Thanks so much. And isn't it so much fun when you uh, have an audio project? Uh, Freddie, you, you just really get to dive into and tap into your imagination. Yes. I I cannot agree more. Uh, talk about sense of the sun. I mean that audiobook in itself. I because first of all, I have to say that for any audiobook you do, you have to submit an audition. It works very. It, it works pretty much uh, like uh, in the acting world. Okay, so you have to submit like uh, sometimes it's up to a 15 minute audition. You know, it could be as short as five minutes. So for Sense of the Sun, I did submit my audition, and I, I had in mind a style, a narration style. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily the author's uh, uh, style that he had in mind. So he approached me, and it's all via email, and he said, well, Freddie, he, I like it that he saw my potential, okay, and what I did with the characters. But then he said, for the main narrator voice, Freddie, I think you should go in a rough Italian, English-Italian accent, like a Sicilian accent, kind of like a... And I'm thinking, wow. And I said, are you kidding me? I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's, just gonna, that's a big risk. I mean, somebody's going to listen to it out there, and they're going to be like, uh, wait a minute, this guy doesn't know how to pronounce a single word or whatever, you know, because it's a rough Italian that I, that I had to put. Nonetheless, I said, you know what? You have to take risks in show business. You have to do, uh, try to, I mean, not, nothing's new under the sun, as we uh, most of us know, but the thing is, you have to try to make it, you know, set apart uh, from, from the competition a little bit. And I say, if you take risks like that. So I did take the risk, and I wasn't really expecting much of it. He loved it. He absolutely loved the first 15 minutes. And so I said, well, we're, uh, I guess we got a deal where we signed the contract. Uh, and then I, you know, I proceeded to narrate over the course of two, three months because I like to narrate nice and slow and edit nice and slow. And then eventually uh, we have a, wow, a great audiobook in which I put so many character voices <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's, it, and it just comes spontaneously. I switch the voices as I go on the microphone. <laughs> I you sure do. <laughs> and sometimes it's, it's like you run out of voice. Uh, when I was playing the voice of um, uh, Don Luca, Luca Giuliani, one of the Dons, <laughs> I, I, uh, his voice, if you listen to the audiobook, um, 
it, the voice is very edgy. Like you gotta really put pull your vocal cords to the edge, you know, to to pull that uh, Godfatherish. I didn't want it to sound like Marlon Brando, or you know, I I kind of wanted. Um, you know, I had listened to. Uh, let me tell you, I, I one of my uh, icons to to listen to because you have to have references, but don't you don't need to really necessarily copy them. Is uh, is the ac- actor Joe Mantegna, uh, and he yes. does narrate. Uh, for those of you who don't know it out there, and I'm not connected with him or anything, but he does narrate audiobooks and he does a great job. Um, so he does. Uh, he narrated The Godfather, uh, one of the uh, part one on audiobook version. And I really liked it and enjoyed it. But the one I enjoyed the most was the voice that he put of The Godfather. And so mine, mine is not, I took it as a reference, but I kind of made it mine in a sharper pitch. And, you know, so it's almost like it's all about repurposing and finding your own style, okay, and what works for you. So I really think it worked out, I mean, uh, in, in that respect. And you were inspired, like you just uh, described so well, by another artist. And I think that's the one of the beautiful things about artistic projects. It's not necessarily trying to copy someone, like you pointed out, but it's being inspired by them, taking some of what they've done and their approach, but then putting your own stamp on it. Yeah, and let me tell you one thing. Um, uh, there's another. I'm working on another piece uh, on another audiobook right now. That we'll talk about it later. I hope we have time for that. But uh, the. Sure. Uh, the actual, um, the actual inspiration I got for the voice I'm putting on that audiobook, which you're gonna, f- you're gonna hear, it's kind of like a, somewhat like a female pitch I'm giving to the main narrator voice. Uh, so I'm switching my voice from this to like, yes, I am very like a breezy female, you know. So I, uh, I was inspired by a female narrator I had listened to in the weeks before. But um, I'm not going to say any names, of course, you know, but uh, either way, I, I, I'm not sure I liked the audio book I was listening to, but I took away the voice. I love the introduction, but somehow after the introduction, this lady switched into a really monotonous, uh, different style of voice. And I was surprised, and I said, wow, if I narrated that book that she's narrating, I would give it a full, mysterious voice throughout, and breathy voice. I like the breathiness she had. So I incorporated that, and I put it into my own style. And let me tell you, when I was editing my own voice as to how it sounded, because, I mean, I can hear my voice sound, I was like, I cannot believe I'm sounding the way I'm sounding. I love it, and I, <laughs> it just gets you excited, you know? <laughs> yes, fantastic. Well, well, that's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, and this is probably... Um, Wow, how is how should I put this? This is almost like um, I mean, it, this is like uh, also beneficial for you as an actor, not just as a voiceover artist, but also as an actor because you're doing different voices, you're switching characters, yet you're also you know you're reading from material. So, for example, an actor would 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 read and learn, of course, his lines. I mean, that's got to be a wonderful combination for you, you know, all the I way could, around. I could not agree with you more, Stephen. I think. And it's not because you just said that. It's something that I was actually, I'm glad you reminded me of that because uh, that has helped me a lot in auditions, has helped me a lot in uh, how to uh, um, deliver my lines better. 
you have to remember, and this is one of the things that if you, if, if I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of listeners out there who are thinking, wow, I really want to get into this voiceover industry thing, just to at least get practice into my acting. You know, you can definitely do that. Uh, and just know that you're not, you don't have to be born to do this. It, it, it all takes some practice. Uh, you don't have to uh, uh, read 5,000 books before you get started. No. All you got to do, uh, ideally, is narrate out loud, offline, off the microphone, about 10 to 20 minutes per session that you record, okay? Because that's going to roll you really good, okay? It, it's, taken, it, it's happened to me before uh, that I narrated something, and I wasn't really rolling to it. I hadn't practiced. That'll, co- that'll cost you to stop pause, keep going, erase, and keep going. And that's not good. You know, it's going to make you lose a lot of time. So anyway, it, it'll, it's all about practice, and, and, and your diction will become better, and your uh, skills will become better. And when you're doing table reads in the audition room for a movie, a short film, you're going to see that you're a, a notch above the rest, you know, because it's... Now, one thing I would recommend very strongly and maybe not everybody is like me, you know, but I'm very much into it. Like, say, Stephen, if you're talking to me in a British accent, I'll end up talking to you at the end of the interview in a British accent. I am not kidding you. I really pick up on accents a lot to the point that I get contagious, you know. So, so in my <laughs> case, what I do, like, it, say, if you're doing a movie, a detective role in a movie, right? Well, I recommend, and it's, and it's uh, American English, let's just say, um, I would not recommend listening to, uh, I don't know, uh, some British uh, mystery uh, shows uh, on audiobook because that's not going to help your diction a lot. You're going to pick up on a lot of pronunciation and styles mentally that perhaps will not help your diction. So what I do in a lot of respects, I'm, I'm, and I actually have a short film role coming up in, in Columbus, Ohio, at the end of the month, where I play a detective, uh, uh, kind of like a narcissistic type of detective. Um, I listen to a lot of, um, you know, like Spencer and a lot of, you know, uh, detective, uh, detective uh, shows that are narrated in American English because I kind of want to uh, pick up some ideas and, and such and, and, of course, get my diction rolling. So I, definitely to answer your question in a nutshell, I think it's a, um, uh, there's a lot of great, neat exercises of, of acting, which is taping yourself on, on camera. And, but this is, a, this is a very good way, and you, get, you, and you can get paid in the process. Thanks so much for sharing all of that, Freddie. Um, I'm so glad you brought up the topic of um, how would one go about if they were interested in, in doing this themselves. And that was actually one of my topics and questions for you. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I hope that it, it uh, encourages and inspires any folks listening out there who might have an interest in, in audio narration or voiceover. I can tell you that doing this show that um, I find audio to be its own experience. And, uh, I mean, uh, my show, uh, I strive to make it more than just conversation. It's actually an experience, an emotional experience. You know what I often tell folks, uh, Freddie, is that um, when you listen to the show, kick back and have some coffee or or have some wine or your favorite beverage and let yourself go to another place. And folks have told me, wow, you're right. It was a really interesting and enjoyable experience. So I completely understand the joy of, of audio. Oh, wow. That, uh, 
you know, I, I couldn't feel more identified to that. I've actually listened to a couple of your shows before, and uh, I love the the way those interviews flow into the meaningful aspect. <laughs> you do a great job, by the way. Oh, thank, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Um, okay. Well, I tell you what, uh, Freddie, you, you've really shared how, what folks can do to uh, just get their – themselves going uh, as far as uh, audio narration or voiceover work goes. But let me ask you now, what has been some of the most challenging aspects for you after you've done it a while? Is there something where you go, whoa, this is like really extra challenging to me? Is it the character's voices? Is it the material? Is it uh, just the time to record it? What has been most challenging for you, Freddie? Well, uh, there's, there's definitely some little hurdles along the way. I'm glad you asked me that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's it's even happened to me <laughs> that I've started narrating like a full chapter and I realize, wow, that really sounded great, and I realize I never hit the recording button. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Which oh, you know what? Man. It's happened many times. That's uh, my worst get... nightmare, Freddie. By yeah, the way, I mean, I, exactly. I just I just now double checked. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we're good, my friend. We're good. So keep going. <laughs> I wouldn't mind starting over again. It's always a pleasure talking uh, talking with you. Uh, well, you the know, feelings right mutual. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's uh, uh, you know it's frustrating. Or when you're typing an an essay and something happens to your computer and it crashes and then. So that, that, that definitely happens in voiceover, um, whether you use an engineer or whether you are your own editor, which uh, the latter is the one I recommend, you know, to, to get started. Nothing wrong with having somebody in your corner to help you clean things up, but, uh, but it's something I think if you edit and narrate, uh, not only it'll save you mind, some money and time, and I'm talking about people who are thinking about getting started, but uh, it's also going to give you a fuller and bigger understanding of, of things. So, yeah, hurdles, we have a lot of hurdles. Uh, I remember, I won't mention the title, but uh, in my beginnings, I started narrating um, an audiobook that uh, turned into the unexpected halfway through. The plot uh, you know, became a little bit more, let's just put it, intimate <laughs> than I thought it would be. And oh uh, I ended up uh, being so shocked I stopped the recording in the middle of the session, I think uh, two hours into it, and I said, I'm not recording uh, this anymore. I had to, I reached out to the publisher. I said, you know what, I, um, you know, the contracts that I signed, anybody can walk out on their own will. You know, there's some clauses, of course, but uh, I, I, the, the publisher really did understand, you know, um, because you got to remember one thing. When you're auditioning for an audiobook, you, you don't, most times you don't have time to read the entire book. The entire book may not be available unless you download it and really read it. You, you get to read the manuscript that they post, which is usually two or three pages. You get to look at the audiobook and see how many reviews it got and the potential, is it the right roles, etc. Right? It's, is it, am I the right, the right accent? Um, and, and so in that case, I had started, wow, I really like to narrate about Elves and all the uh, all the imaginary world, worlds of the orcs and the wizards and all of that. Uh, so I had no idea, no idea. Honestly, it was going to turn into what it turned into. <laughs> but but you know what? Then that makes you realize and find out uh, the hurdles and problems and uh, obstacles. 
make you stronger because you fall and get back up, and, it, and they make you realize what kind of niche do you want to narrate. Do I really want to narrate uh, how-to guides on how to improve, how to grow, uh, which, which require a main narrator voice that is very crisp, etc.? Or, or do I want to go into fiction? Do I love putting voices of characters such as, in this case, like a godfatherish type voice, you know, in Sense of the Sun? Um, it's, it's really, it's a pick and choose, but I think the, the, the downfalls and the falling uh, will help you shape uh, how you want to be heard, how you want to be known in the uh, voiceover industry, because you, you'll have to pick a lane eventually. It's nice to do a little bit of everything and then the first year or two, but you, uh, my recommendation is that you pick a lane and that you stick to it. I love thrillers. I love horror material. I love... Uh, that's my thing because I love acting in that niche as well. Uh, I love performing evil characters, characters that are troublesome. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, and so I try to connect it into my voiceover and the characters uh, and the voices that I play. Well, that's very important to stay true to your own artistry. And you just had a moment there, like you described, where you were like, you know what? I just don't think this is for me. It's not that you were necessarily judging the, the, uh, uh, author whatsoever. And like you said, the person did understand. It just wasn't, it, it wasn't something you were comfortable with. And that's very important. If you feel like this is not the right project for you, it's best to probably not go through with it. I think that's very important. Yeah, you're not a match to the project. Don't take it personal. You're just not a match. If it, sometimes they tell you, but sometimes you don't even to, you don't you don't even need to wait for people to tell you. Sometimes your conscience, your voice, and your interior voice tells you, this is not a project for me. Uh, I'm gonna give you an example. I was reading a script for a short film uh, three four days ago, and they wanted me to play a store owner. And I said, I read it. It was just a one scene. It was, uh, but I, I did not feel it was for me. I don't feel it's for me. I told the director with all the respect, um, because I don't feel it tells a story. The character does not tell a story. Um, when I was in the insurance industry, and I was there for like uh, 14 years working for private corporations until I decided to go into my own company and my own uh, thing, I, I used to have uh, one of my uh, managers would say, you need, Freddie, you need to tell a story. Whether you're requesting authority to try to settle a case, because I was in the claims area of industry, by the way, and litigation, so I, I, I had to really... I was the type of guy, by the way, <laughs> and this is what contributed into my acting, too. I would go into mediation rooms and arbitrations in New York City, etc. They would send me over there to try to settle the case, but to try to scream at attorneys across the table. <laughs> that, was, oh, that was pretty. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. So, so yeah. Um, so you could uh, play one of those characters, Freddie. You'd be all over it. I could. I could. <laughs> and I've played a lawyer before. Uh, in, there you uh, go. One of the movies I've, I've done when God wasn't looking, I played an attorney role in there. Which, uh, uh, but either way... Um, uh, going back to my point, you have to tell a story, and that's what my boss used to tell me. Say, I cannot get my money authority to settle a case unless I justify there's a story and a purpose and something that's going to be beneficial for everyone, everybody uh, to reach an agreement. Same thing 
with the and with that same magnifying glass i go uh personally anybody can go anywhere anyhow they want but my, myself personally what works for me is to analyze a script and, and see if it tells a story does it tell a story that character that i am doing or is it just a filler character you know which um you know what you can even if you do background, and I've done background work, and um, I hope we can touch upon that real quick, but uh, the, the, by reacting, even though you may not have lines, by reacting, you've got to be able to tell a story. Uh, that's, um, let me put you a quick example. When I did background work for a movie Widows, uh, Steve McQueen's Widows, in, which taped in Chicago two, two years ago, uh, with Viola Davis um, and a great array of cast, we were doing a. I was doing a funeral scene. I was one of the funeral attendees, and um, and I was. Uh, I don't know if uh, lucky, but um, fortunately, I, I was. Uh, I'm on camera 15 seconds um, in one of the scenes there, and I tried to go back and analyze why why was I picked. And well, I was telling a story. That's that. That was my conclusion. Because if you watch the funeral scene, and, and it is the point when uh, the point when um, Colin Farrell is giving condolences to Viola Davis at the funeral scene, uh, that that character, the, the characters that they play. You see me in the background with sunglasses, and what am I doing? I mean, I'm reacting. I'm trying to. I'm 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 mourning. Okay, I'm I'm kind of. Uh, I'm no disrespect. Anybody else around is quiet, it's serious because it's a funeral. But I, I figured, you know what? I, I want to. I'm the only guy who's not dressed in black over there in black clothes, darker clothes. You know, <laughs> you can see that. <laughs> People tell me, I say, Freddie, you stick out. You're not even wearing black at a funeral. And I say, you know what? Maybe that's what you need to do. I didn't choose my wardrobe. Production chose it for me. You know. But either way, at the end, at the end of the day. I, I don't know. I think that was meant to happen, meant to be. And I was able to tell a story in those 15 seconds that if you buy the DVD, uh, you, can, you can watch that scene. And, 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 and just um, I was telling a story. I was sorry about what had happened as, as the other. I was supporting the other two um, characters, Viola Davis. And, you know, and, and, and the wonderful array of, of, of folks around. Yes, Colin Farrell, etc. Telling a story. Now, that is something to focus on. Well said, my friend. Um, I think it all begins with story in so many ways. Um, and uh, doing even uh, background or extra work, uh, th that is a wonderful approach to take. An actor to go, hey, how do I do this scene You know, as an extra? Like, like how do I not do too much but not too little? Like, like, how do I do the job that I need to do? And you know what? That, my friend excellent perspective. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And I wanted to mention that because actually, uh, with my own experiences involved with acting, I have um, been in scenes where I've been background as well. And uh, some of the other individuals have said, I, I don't know what to do. Now, first of all, I tend to get surprised in those moments because after all, that is why we're there, right? But then on the other hand, I realize, well, this person just doesn't have a lot of experience. They, and, and you think that just being an extra might be more easier. I, I know that, um, in particular, there was this one lady who was, who had concerns and a w wonderful person. And you know what? Me and another actor just said, Hey, we're going to do this. We're all going to be pretending like we're talking. 
You just sit there, pretend to drink your wine, and just relax. And even though we're not actually talking from our mouths and actually saying words, just follow our lead and we'll get you through it. And you know what? She said, wow, that worked. It works. Yes, it works. And you have to come up with a strategy with your fellow extras because at the end of the day, you're, uh, the PAs and all the director assistants, they're busy people. Okay, so they're not going to be uh, choreographing you a lot. You know, they're going to give you some guidelines as to True. what kind of routine you can pick up on. Um, I there was a, a pilot I worked uh, last year in the spring. That was pretty much the last time I did uh, background work because uh, then I decided to do into more speaking uh, speaking roles. Then, and this uh, actress uh, walked into the FBI department, and we were uh, the uh, you know, the FBI agents there, and we were supposed to stare at this act- actress uh, and, and give her a nasty look. And she walked right by me. This is a very famous Hollywood actress, by the way. <laughs> and she <clears throat> crossed uh, uh, looks with myself and two uh, FBI techs uh, that were, you know, chatting. But we had purposely prepared that, uh, our chatting and our thing, you know, consistent with what the director had told us, we had a strategy, but the director cannot control every single part of our reacting. You know, they want us to pretend we're talking, pretend we're chit-chatting. That's a good strategy, you know. And or things in background acting, a lot of people want to be in front of the camera. They call them uh, camera huggers. You know, they kind of want to, they even leave their own cues and spots to just be in front of the camera because they want to be able to tell, you know, and, and, and it's, all, it's happened to me. It's happened to everybody in background acting, actually, uh, to a certain degree. Uh, well, once you go past camera hugging, and, and then you, you focus on telling a story. And, and, and that's when you get the most chances of being featured because, uh, and people will think the opposite. No, no, but, no, I, well, directors are not, um, most directors are not, let's just call it dumb, <laughs> if you will. They know when you're trying to, um, to, to hug the camera and to be in the, in the frame, you know, on purpose. And they know it's not a natural thing. It doesn't show natural. Whereas if you focus on, forget about, I mean, it's good to know where the cameras are. That's a key part. Okay, but, it, but, but, but focus on your act, on your reacting, if you don't have any lines as an extra, which you can have lines as an extra, by the way. But focus, let's yes. say you don't have any lines. Focus on your reacting, because that'll tell a story. And I do remember um, from a show like Empire, a TV show, one of the seasons, I forget which season, I apologize, but uh, I, I never thought I would be featured. But, um, you know, it was um, one of the scenes where uh, Taraji Henson, you know, pops in a ballroom, you know, and, and I am uh, one of the ballroom attendees. And, and I decided to almost like with my face protest of her presence, you know, um, and this was f- through an entire two days of filming and the whole deal. So <laughs> I ended up being featured for like nah, maybe five seconds, you know, but my face was there reacting, you know, so and this was. Another moment when I never really thought much of it, again, the funeral scene in Widows, I never thought much of that in terms of being featured. In fact, there were other folks who, you know, shook hands with the main cast on camera in the scene, and I thought they, you know, they, I think they deserved to be featured because they were right there. But, but you, directors can cut footage out. They can cut it. 
and you and if you are not caught in your feature uh, or semi feature i guess feature is it's more like when the camera is right on your face i get it but you know kind of feature you know you you show on the frame real good and you then there's a reason for that and the director uh and in, in the editing room uh selected your frame for a reason no doubt about it and um you know, being an extra, uh, like you know, Freddie, or or being a part of background, I have the utmost respect for these individuals because I think your description really laid it out there the best. I mean, there is a lot more to it than folks might realize. And once you experience that, Freddie, as you know, you suddenly, when you watch a movie or a television episode, you start noticing the background individuals much more than maybe you would have otherwise. And you can really tell that they bring so much to a production. But you said something very important. The director does not always have time or the even the assistant director to explain everything in a scene. And you really need to, to be focused and make sure that whatever they are wanting, you are doing it to the fullest, but not overdoing, as you also mentioned, because then that becomes a problem. So thank you for sharing all of that. And I would like to say to the listeners out there, if you have an interest in acting and you have not done it yet, one of the best ways you can learn about acting is to actually do extra work. I'm sure, Freddie, yeah. you would agree as well. I agree with that. Even actors like Sylvester Stallone, uh, many other great actors today started doing background work. I'm not saying I'm going to become a great actor or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but either way, it is a great foundation, you know, to sure uh, to get going. You know, yes. Well, back to your um, voice overwork, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. I know that you shared with me that from Sins of the Sun, there was a particular character or voice that you really enjoyed doing. Uh, I believe the character's name um, is an FBI agent. And the name, can you help me with this? Thomas Miller, FBI agent. There you go. Yes. Uh, I really enjoyed that character. In fact, that voice, if you listen to A Sense of the Sun, um, he helps support the other characters big time because his voice pitch is the most uh, perhaps Midwesterner accent uh, out of the whole book, okay? So it's kind of like, um, if it's harder to, uh, you know, get used to the, it takes about a chapter or two uh, from the great reviews that I've read, you know, to get used to the rough Italian accent, etc. okay? But then it really, it's almost like you cannot do without. That's what the reviews have been saying in the last six months since they came out in December of 2018. But Thomas Miller is a great refresher because he pulls he 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 pulls that accent that midwestern or perhaps eastern type accent it's it's almost like um I like it because it's an evil pitch and I came up with that I said you know I'm imagining Thomas Miller uh he's a, he's a very frustrated character uh he's been trying to um you know battle uh organized crime for many years and now he's determined to try to you know, get to the bottom of things. Um, no spoilers, but the thing is, yeah, that voice, I, 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 it, was, it, it was a mysterious deep voice. And in fact, that voice, part of that is what I use for my own acting. You know, I'm practicing that voice. And there is a, uh, the same voice I give to Thomas Miller, uh, which is the FBI captain uh, in this Mafia series of Sins of the Sun, is the same voice 
I am giving Bud Connors on Dark Visions, which is the actual current thriller I'm working on, which we'll talk about uh, if there's time, you know. But um, um, I think both characters have a lot in common. They're very tormented characters. And and so the voice of of Thomas Miller is 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 pivot. I think it's pivotal. Um, I think it's uh, in 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 a way uh, you're gonna be you, it's gonna be full of surprises inside the song with Thomas Miller because he's he's not just a filler. He's uh, he's definitely a great supporting character in the audiobook and in this story, uh, this mafia story between two um, uh, New York Italian families. How about we go ahead and let's all listen to um, a piece on Thomas Miller. Here it is. Thomas pushed the door lightly. He saw the fallen chair, the brain remnants of Davide on the floor. An execution. He didn't even try to pull his weapon. He was afraid. Thomas thought. Definitely one of the big families did this. The Baldinares was a respectable family. If Davide was afraid to even pull his own gun, it must have been one of the other two. Wow, excellent job, Freddie. Uh, Thank you. Really enjoy your, your audio work very much. Well, you uh, mentioned uh, this other project, and that is Dark Visions. Would you like to go ahead and share more about that at this time? Wow, well, yeah, Dark Visions, is, it is something. <laughs> um, let me tell you one thing. Uh, Dark Visions, basically, it's a, it's, a, it's, a box, it's a box full of surprises. I, I remember many thrillers back then uh, in the late 1990s, even in the 80s. This is a novel that's that was written in 1988 by a novelist who's still alive. Her name is Maxine O'Callaghan. And Maxine, uh, she's from Tennessee. She's written about 13 novels and multiple short stories. Um, Capricorn Literary is the actual publisher. And they're doing a wonderful job in bringing classics uh, back into today's times and converting them into audiobooks. So my, uh, this was the case. I became a fan of Capricorn's work, and eventually I sent him a message, and I said, I really love uh, what some of your uh, voiceover artists have done with a couple of uh, books I've listened to. And, and so uh, the publisher, and I said, well, I do voiceover work, keep my info, Publisher reached out to me within days and said, I'm actually working on a project. We're editing. We're finishing the editing, and it's going to be ready soon. If you're interested, this is the name of the novel. The novel, of course, was uh, on on the platforms, you know, for sale, etc., because it's been for sale for 30 years, you know. So, I mean, it's a classic. So I looked at it. I read a part of it. He sent me the manuscript, which was still not edited, I read it and I fell in love with it. I said, but I read like the first few pages. I didn't read anything further, okay? But then I thought, wow, that is a great opportunity to continue with. Because let me tell you, uh, since of the sun, going back to it, I, f- I feel that's, that's, that's kind of my breakthrough. I've done 
almost 30 audiobooks since I started. And Sins of the Sun is like the 27th or the 26th, you know. I mean, it may take as many as those to see a breakthrough, you know, of your own style or how uh, audiences like a style, you know, kind of play with things, you know. So this uh, Dark Visions, I felt, could be a great continuation of that breakthrough uh, phase, if you will. And I was not wrong. I mean, I am, I am, I am reading this as I narrate it because I, I don't do a full read and then I only read like a two or three chapters ahead. That's one of the techniques I wanted to tell you about. You wanna the day before you narrate, you're on your microphone. You wanna get, you wanna give it a silent read, and you want to stop at words that you're not real sure as to how to pronounce. Okay, and it's going to happen to all of us. You're going to think you know how to pronounce this word, but it's not going to be correct. So you want to save the publisher a lot of time by trying to look up the word and pronounce it the right way and practice it, right? <laughs> so, so that's kind yes. of what it is. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, so. Anyway, Dark Visions came into reality. I've been working on it uh, for the last two or three months. I I asked the publisher to give me extra time to do it because I like to do things. Nice and slow, slow and steady wins, wins the race, right? And so I, I, I wanted to take time to develop every character, to enjoy and, and sink into every character, because that's, that's another reason why I'm doing this. It takes a lot of time, folks, okay? So you might as well enjoy it. And when I say it takes a lot of time, um, uh, it, it's not, you know, let me, let me tell you one thing. Uh, a famous audiobook narrator, I exchanged messages with him, and he replied, and he says, thank you for your great comments. It says, it's not as easy as people may think. That's the great news. It's not easy. It means not everybody can do it, okay? But that's exciting because that can kind of elevate you places, okay, if you, if you have a passion for it. So you have to, going back to it, you have to savor every character you do, assuming you're doing fiction with characters, etc. And so this, this uh, Dark Visions allowed me to savor every character. In fact, the main... <clears throat> And the reason I'm going into a more of a female pitch is because the main, even with the main narrator voice, I'm going female a little bit, female, mysterious, breezy, because I wanted to give it that twist. It has nothing to do with the style I have for Sense of the Sun, by the way. You listen to one and the other, and you'll be blown away. Um, but yeah, um, I've, we've got a retail audio sample out there that I hope you can play a little bit of, of it later, uh, Stephen, that I, I, I sent to you just because I think it's, it's going to give uh, listeners a little bit of a flavor. It's coming out this summer, um, and uh, I'm finishing it by the end of June, sending it well, for quality, well. and then uh, by July, August, Dark Visions should be out. It's, it's going to be about eight, eight and a half hours. A okay. great thriller, and I mean, I'm I'm in the last few chapters right now. I can't spoil or say anything, sure. but it is unbelievable. <laughs> well, why don't we go ahead and take a listen right now, then? Oh, thank you. Sure. Here we go. Mama would get out the tarnished cream as soon as he drove off, rubbing every piece of flatware with fierce concentration. Was she polishing silver today, or was she still sitting rigidly in the front room? pretending to read while Amelia rattled pots in the kitchen. A woman came out on the porch, wiping her hands on a dish towel. Why, John Lee Mitchell. Granny said you'd be coming. How is she, Aunt Jewel? Daddy asked. Holding on. Says she wasn't about to die until you got here. This must be your little girl. Come on, Aunt Darling. 
Your great-grandma will be brought to see you. So many people stuffed into that small house, most of them eating, plates piled high. She could smell chicken frying, corn boiling. A barefoot woman played the great speckled bird on a guitar. A young boy cradled a pale green gosling in his arms. Would she like some chicken, lemonade, iced tea? She shook her head. Heat filled the house like warm water. Her lungs strained for air. If she lifted her feet, she'd float. Down the short hall, into the dark cave of a bedroom. An old woman lay on the bed, propped on pillows. Coarse, white hair framed a pale face, cobwebbed with wrinkles. Toothless mouth. The room smelled like spoiled milk. Unwashed diapers. Granny, look who's here. Daddy pulled her along, over to the bed. Crazy old woman. Mama always stood her ground, but this time she'd given in and let Daddy have his way. And now, and now. Granny Breen reached out as a gnarled hand closed around her arm. Something brushed her mind. A fleeting touch like the willow limbs in winter, leafless, icy. So you be the one, Granny Breen said, the milky eyes closed. The hand released its hold. God help you, child, Granny Breen said. God help you. Whoa, thanks, Freddie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being able to share all of these fantastic I hope you're not too scared uh, after listening to that. Eh? Hey, I have some chills here. I, I'm feeling some chills. I have to be honest with you. I am feeling some chills, my friend. Blame it on the, blame it on the coffee, then. That's right. That's right. My world-famous coffee, uh, you never know. It could be partially responsible. All right. That is just fantastic. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you. I, I wanted to uh, bring up this topic. So Sins of the Sun is approximately at, at the least six hours, maybe a little bit over. Yes. And yes. then you just mentioned this one's around eight. So is there an average time and length when you do an audio book that you kind of know in advance that, well, I'm probably going to be doing this for so many hours? Or an yeah, average? I'm glad you brought that up because what people don't realize is let's just assume that you're going to get you're, you're getting started in voiceover. And when you get started, uh, you, got, you have to be your own narrator and you have to be your own editor. Okay, and editing is not difficult, by the way. So let's just assume you have to do narration, but uh, you also editing work. Assuming that you don't want to pay your engineer guy the, the amount of money that it costs to, uh, you know, every finished hour, you know. It, it, it does take time. I mean, um, let's say an eight-hour audiobook, um, every finished hour narrated and edited. Okay, shrunk into one hour, you know. Uh, every finished hour can take up to six or seven hours of your own work. Uh, wow. Some people go faster, narrate faster, and that's fine. I like to take my own pauses. In fact, if you listen to Sense of the Sun, I do that on purpose. I, I, I have great pauses because I want people to... <laughs> people have a hard time at first getting used to the Italian accent. Then it flows really good. And, but so I go slow because I kind of want to, in fact, at the end of the syllables, if you notice in Sense of the Sun, I kind of like, the, I do the T's and the D's that are real, you know, marked. 
because I want to enjoy it and because I want to I want to I want sense of the sun to sound like it's a grandpa telling a story about um you know a mobster encounter between uh Francesco Giuliani and Jessica Lombardi in this case which is kind of like the the main thing you know so so anyway you you've got to enjoy it, but it, it does take time it does take uh, a lot of time on the side so it depends on answering your question what project should I start with? I started with 10-minute 10 10 minute audiobooks, uh, kid children's stories. Children's stories are a great way to get you started, see how you sound, and get your self-esteem going because you're going to be published in a, match, in a much faster way when you deliver a 10-minute uh, audio piece, piece. You can play with sound effects which some audiobooks have, of mine have sound effects, and I, I really love it. You don't want to overcrowd it with that. Um, and let me tell you one thing. If, if any of you guys are listening out there and say, you know what, I want to get, because I, I, I'm told that a lot in uh, sets where, I'm an, where I act, and I'm an actor. People find out I, I'm into the uh, voiceover, and people, I really want to go into it because it's a, it's a very increscendo industry. More and more people are listening to audiobooks. So I always tell these guys, I say, you know what, uh, pick your own length, okay, uh, but start with smaller chunks and then go by that. Then do, I did do a two-hour, do a six-hour if you want, do an eight-hour, but make sure you have time allotted and make sure you agree on the deadline. You have to be organized. If you want to be in voiceover, you have to be organized to discipline to tell yourself, okay, now I'm going to be narrating three three chapters per week to hit my deadline. It's almost like an author, like a writer. You have to really – the publisher gives you a deadline – uh, you don't have forever to to do this book. Uh, you you got to really stick to it. So anyway, going back to that tip, because uh, I wanted to add that too, it's like all you need to do uh, a voiceover narration, all you need, guys, is a, is a closet in your, in your room, in your home, okay? One where you can fit in, okay? Um, and, you know, like, it's like it doesn't have to be like a walk-in closet in a mansion or anything like that. No, one, it's got to be a closet. Why? Because closets have the best acoustics, okay? They have the best sound containment, okay? Um, you, need, you need a closet. Also, you need a laptop where you're going to have your uh, editor, uh, software editing. Uh, you know, there's many software audio editors I use. I'm not going to publicize which one I use, but, I mean, uh, there's many out there and, and free of charge. And a microphone, uh, which you want to go, uh, at first I went with a $40 microphone. Now I have a $150 microphone. Okay. But, uh, there's even great microphones out there for hundred dollars that are really good. Uh, that do almost everything with you, uh, for you, uh, USB connectivity is, is probably the best. Although you can get yourself a, a condenser microphone with a phantom power which is how it started. I started with, uh, with phantom power. Freddie started with phantom power. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much all you need. And then, uh, oh, yeah, and then a uh, headset. Like a, you want to get yourself a headset uh, that, that is more geared, don't, um, you know, just to, that can pick up uh, sound barriers that are lower than normal, if you will, you know, because then you can, it can help you hear uh, your breathing, uh, and you can decide if you want to include your breathing into that. Sometimes the breathy part is good for the audiobook, especially for dialogues. But you don't want the breathy part for the narration piece, you know. So 
it's your call. At the end of the day, it is your call. If you don't like how you say the S's at the end or how they sound, well, then you might want to fade it out, you know, or remove it, you know. So it's, it's exciting. It sure is. And let me ask you, Freddie, because I was, I was wondering about this. Are all of your projects so far, um, are, are you narrating material that has actually been written or is at least available as an online reading book? Or are some of these projects actually audio stories only? That's a good question. Most of what I, yeah, pretty much all of, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, most of what I've done has been published for a little while, but gotcha. there are short stories. I did a short story uh, for Donna Fox, uh, one of my favorite uh, Seattle independent authors uh, for horror material, and her stories are unbelievable, and this one had just been written. Uh, not long ago before I narrated it. So uh, I got the first dips to that and everything. But either way, uh, you always get the first dips. You always get that uh, first touch because you're the one and only narrator of that piece. Uh, I guess Dark Visions is perhaps the oldest um, novel. And, um, boy, it's an unbelievable... Let me tell you what, even reading the book, which the book is already out there in paperback, etc., but uh, I... (laughs) They don't use. They didn't use cell phones back then in the eighties, right? Uh, you, you, if you if you've read novels, uh, uh, I know all 80s. about that because uh-huh. I grew up in the eighties. There you go. So uh, the nice thing about it is that um, you look at the characters and they have those uh, those landlines. You know that's how they communicate. So they're they're more uh, insightful in what they and how they think, what they do, how they move about, and that kind of thing. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really enjoy that, that, that part, even though it's an older Wonderful. novel, okay? Uh, you, you get to enjoy things, and, uh, and it's the only audio book ever done on Dark Visions because it's a um, relatively new platform that's, you know, in the last 10 years. You know, I mean, it's always been on tape. I used to listen, let me tell you one thing. I used to listen to Peter Pan on tape when I was uh, in, in the 80s, you know, as I grew up, as I was a, a boy. Um, uh, Captain Hook and Peter Pan, and that was a, a radio cassette tape that my mom got me. Uh, you know, I, I had put some boots and all of those too, but but uh, Hook was my favorite, and there were sound effects. It was dramatized, uh, which is one thing I love uh, about audiobooks. The ones that are Wonderful. dramatized, oh, they, they they include the sound effects, and it feels like you're right there. You know, <laughs> and, and that kind of got me into it's almost like. Um, that passion probably can date back as, as as far as the 80s. There's there's a lot in the 80s that uh, that really contributed to what I do today. And in fact, my uh, my my name, well, my artistic name, Freddie, comes from Freddy Krueger. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> and, and <laughs> I was a big fan of that in in elementary school, and uh, kids would call me Freddie. And it stuck sense. And when I came to the United States almost 20 years ago, my my wife is from the from from the United States, and uh, I, as you mentioned, I, I come from Spain. You know, I yes. uh, I kind of uh, you know pretty much uh, blended uh, right away <laughs> into every circumstance. And <laughs> in, in, in that, and, and people saw and call me Freddie without even me telling them. 
about this uh, nightmare on Elm Street and, and everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it still goes today. When I started acting, I said, "Well, I'm going to go with Freddie because that's my yeah. that's my name, and that's the name of my audiobooks as well, and the whole deal. So, why not? You know, another '80s connection right there. Uh-huh. The nightmare on Elm Street series. Oh yeah, unbelievable series. And I have to tell you, Freddie, that um, going back to no cell phones in the 80s, uh-huh. let me tell you, the cords on phones, for those that did not grow up in that time period or never experienced such things, most of them, oh my goodness, it was so impressive, Freddie. You could stretch those phones to so many different rooms. I mean, the kitchen phone could go all the way to the family room and practically <laughs> my bedroom. That's how, that's how long the cords could stretch. But it's kind of funny to think, about it now um you know just how far those uh phone cords would stretch and and i'll share something with you speaking of audio (laughs) yeah i used to have just a standard good old-fashioned tape recorder that's all it did was play cassettes or record and i used to pretend and this was actually very early 80s i used to pretend that i was on the radio hosting my own show giving news that is Hollywood-related. So let's say it's the summer, and, and I would go, here uh-huh. is this summer's upcoming blockbusters, and then yeah. I would pretend to do interviews. So um, very interesting how things turned out for me, isn't it, Freddie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know what? I, I want to tell people out there that they may be thinking, well, you know, I, I don't have – I haven't had those experiences like Freddie and Steve had, you know, with this and that, but I kind of think I love this. Don't worry about it. You don't have to have... In fact, you may not know your connection into what you're doing in the future, whether it's acting, voiceover, etc. And, I mean, I've done voiceover on a couple movies as well, so, I mean, it's not just audiobooks, okay? Uh, I think the audiobook industry is a great platform to get you going, but you don't need to have necessarily childhood experiences, etc. If you really feel that you want to do it, there might have been something you've done in the last few years that really got you into it and that you may have discovered, you know, about a year or two into doing this. You, you may be thinking, wow, now, wait a minute, I used to, you know, that kind of thing. So don't let that push you back, you know, uh, is right. what I would say, you know, to That's right. To anybody it's all about listening. steps, yeah, step by exactly. step. Exactly. Just do it. If you really want to do it, go for it. I think it's going to be rewarding. It, you know what? That's like... Uh, my wife is a teacher, okay? Let me tell you, just like being a teacher doesn't mean that you just show up in the classroom. There is a lot of preparation behind the scenes. There's a lot. I mean, teachers are very hard workers. They have my utmost respect. You know, I hear a lot of, uh, you know, testimonies from teachers that really they, they, were, they're, they're, they need to be, you know, in their top shape, you know? Uh, so with audiobooks, with voiceover, with acting, uh, reading a script, you know, um, it, they, it takes a lot of work. What you see on TV, what you listen to, it, it's just a lot of practice, a lot of hours of behind the scenes, a lot of, and then eventually you come up with the product. It's hard to uh, uh, take it for granted. I mean, it's easy to take it for granted. It's easy to really think, oh, wait, we have so many, because there's a lot of shows and stuff. But but it takes a lot of so. Uh, my my point with us is keep going and persevere because it takes patience. But it is is really going well. And you know what? Um, yeah, and have develop your own strategy. Like my strategy is, I don't want to be doing audiobooks forever. I mean, I I want to do them. 
but I, I my my real passion is acting, you know, and I'm really involved in very neat projects this year that I'm I'm confident they're going to go big places, you know, and um and that's uh it could be a strategy, could a uh, uh, narration could be a strategy or a, or a method into your next um, you know, plan. What do you want to do? You know, you want to be a, a TV broadcast, a sportscaster, you know, that kind of thing. Or what do you want to, how do you want to use that, you know? Absolutely. Well, this has just been an absolute delight. And uh, this is like a treasure chest for any individual that might be interested in branching out into voiceover work or narr- narration work, any any sort of audio work. And uh, so thank you for all that you have shared, not only that, but for sharing your own artistic journey. Well, how about we go ahead and and get ready to discuss a project that I know that you are uh, very much eager to uh, uh, discuss with me and the listeners. And that is a film that you were a part of that I know that uh, you are excited to talk about. Yes, uh, this was uh, in the... I want to say, yeah, it was in the winter, uh, almost almost spring of 2018. Uh, I was uh, given the chance to play a supporting role in uh, in a movie that's called Girl Assassin, uh, The Search uh, for Caesar. And in this movie, I play uh, Alvera's dad. Alvera is the main character. Uh, Emma Terrazas, uh, the actress, she's unbelievable. She's a great, uh, talented uh, lady. And... Um, yeah, this is uh, that's a project that really made me one of my first speaking projects. And this scene is a scene, um, you know, courtesy of Elamine Studios uh, and Chad Elamine, a wonderful director, uh, producer, and writer, uh, in, in which I am walking with little Alvera on a bridge, on an icy bridge. It was very cold that day. We had to. Uh, I think we had. We had like 10 Fahrenheit below and when we did that scene. Ooh. It was really... <laughs> yeah, it's and, chilly. Uh, in fact, I, I hope you get to play that the actual clip on the, on your Facebook site um, because that, that'll I give sure you will. <laughs> It'll give you an idea. You read my, my mind. <laughs> I will. Yeah, it was very chilly and we tried... No, I was actually shaking. Anyway, so that scene is great because uh, it, was shown in th- it was shot in three parts and... That's when I talked to uh, Alvera. Alvera, uh, the uh, current uh, Alvera, is having a flashback uh, while she's riding the bus, and she's just uh, thinking about the times when she, uh, she and Daddy were assaulted by uh, by somebody uh, on the bridge, uh, an assailant. Who? And, I mean, I'll let you. I'll let you listen. Of course, there's definitely a little bit of a confrontation piece, but I think that and the, the, this story, this character tells a story. It does tell a story. And it does help support Alvera and and the older, more adult Alvera as well, even though this is the younger Alvera. So I I hope you enjoy it. And I will be sharing uh, photos and clips and all sorts of things uh, for my special guest today, Freddie Moyano, on the Hollywood and Beyond social media pages uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So all of you out there, Um, I I go way past just doing the show itself. Uh, I continue the experience for you on the social media pages. Um, And I hope that you will like and follow the pages so we can keep in touch with each other. And and you can see some samples of Freddie's uh, uh, fantastic work and learn more about him. 
And if so, you ever have any, if anybody ever has any questions about the motion picture, doing background work, uh, I have a website under my own corporation. My co- corporation's name is called is Moyano Lengua Consulting and Productions LLC. It's an LLC corporation that I have out there, and I have a website that's uh, www.moyanolengua, Moyano like my last name, and then lingua like the language in Latin. dot com. And and I'll give you the info if you want to put that as well in there because I think there's a, a section where you can just send questions or you know get in touch with my team and then we can definitely give you uh, good advice and and leads and things or if you ever need had a project that you really wanted my voice uh, on or etc I I'd be more than happy to 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 because I mean right now we have uh, I'm very blessed to have so much on my plate. But at the same time, I'm I'm always a very balanced person. <laughs> I try to really uh, set time aside to work on each project. If I had to turn down projects right now uh, on a weekly basis, not only in voiceover but in acting, etc., because I, I I'm all about my family, my kids, balance, etc. But when you have me on a project, I really try to put the best of quality and. Um, very excited for the upcoming uh, filming opportunities this year, especially Mafia Ties, which is uh, go- going to be, if it's not already, on, on Amazon Prime, uh, independently uh, directed, written, and produced in uh, beautiful Ohio, which is where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I get to play uh, FBI Captain role, which is very connected in my mind to Thomas Miller, <laughs> by the way. It's very much a Thomas Miller uh, when I read the script, I could not believe that uh, FBI Captain Glenn Parker, which is going to be the uh, name of uh, of my character, is so pretty much identical to, to not identical, but it has a lot, you know. In fact, uh, with uh, to do with Thomas Miller because they actually are they have the same purpose a little bit, you know, just to battle the families and the organized crime. You know, no no spoilers, of course, but. Uh, what a great successful show! We're filming this my part this summer um, on episode six. The first three episodes, if they're not already on Amazon Prime, they're going to be there shortly. And it is a great um, avenue uh, for those people who love The Sopranos and all those beautiful Godfather and all those beautiful classic shows. Um, um, but more so, the HBO Sopranos. You know that's. That's pretty much a close breed to it. I really love that show as well, by the way, and, and, and the great work they've done. And I think uh, it's not only going to be uh, in the United States. It's a, there's a spin-off in London, written also by John Wilson, the director. Wow. Uh, and, and this is Mafia London. Ties. Yeah. <laughs> so that is uh, an unbelievable uh, opportunity that I have to thank Kathleen Tawney, which I think was one. Of, she's the one uh, that told me about your show. Uh, great friend of mine. She's uh, uh, well, she, she's so talented. I couldn't even start naming the talent abilities. She's a great uh, actress, casting person. Uh, she's very deeply involved with the Mafia Ties team in the casting process, and she has an unbelievable role, uh, which I'm sure she'll tell you all about. <laughs> you know, when you talk to her. But yeah, it's uh, that's one of my main projects. Along with, let me, I don't want to steal much of your mic time, but along <laughs> with uh, um, a film, a motion picture film that will be uh, done in, Chica- in the Chicago area, and it's starting to roll in the late part of the summer. It's called Together, 
where I play uh, the role of a janitor in a lead role. Um, and uh, this uh, is a character with his, with his own story. And it's produced and directed by uh, Jacques Wolf, uh, Wolf Films. Very talented director, and we're already uh, pretty much rehearsing and, and going crazy. And, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much I, I wanna I didn't want to forget about those guys. I feel like I'm uh, doing an acceptance speech, you know, but I kind of those guys are my present and my future, and that's the direction I want to take in terms of my acting, okay Wonderful. Um, one last guy I want to mention though <laughs> sure is Terrell Williams. Terrell Williams is a very, very talented and creative director in the Chicago area. I cannot believe it. I did a short with him. Um, in 2018, and I just completed another one that's called A Life, A New Life Program, which if uh, you ever, uh, if you're ever curious, if you go into my IMDb page, which I'll give you a link and, su- and such, you'll see me dressed as a doctor, uh, kind of like an evil doctor type. Uh, yes. That's, uh, no, I'm not revealing, you know, but I, I'm <laughs> doing the characters. I'm doing the characters that I always dreamt of, the evil, tormented characters, and mm. I have a lot, uh, a lot to be proud of, of doing. And, and I'm still doing the audio. I mean, I, and I'm still trying to, I'm making time for my family and everything. So, I mean, you've got to always have a balance, you know, but uh, enjoy every bit you do. Terrell Williams is a great, very talented director, um, uh, which uh, and he, he does a lot of unbelievable, great short films. And, and, and FNO Films, his company, The Creativity, is is a great platform for me, and he, he has a great team behind as well. Well, uh, this has just been absolutely fantastic and fabulous, and thank you so much, Freddie, for being such a wonderful guest and joining me today. And I would like to add that Kathleen Tani is just uh, such a wonderful lady, been very much yeah. full of encouragement and support towards me, and I'm looking forward to speaking with her again. Uh, for folks that don't know, I have actually interviewed her here on Hollywood and Beyond, but it was with my original recording microphone, which we also discussed earlier about different microphones, and it was mm-hmm. earlier on in my show, and it was um, a different time for me. It was before the Hollywood and Beyond launched, relaunched, I should say, uh, back in September of 2018 on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and iHeartRadio. So I relaunched the show last year in September, and her past episode will be available soon. I'm, I'm adding past episodes uh, bit by bit, along with all of these new episodes like today. But Kathleen will be returning, and I just wow. wanted to share that story with everybody that I'm looking forward to to doing that and she's a I cannot lady. I cannot wait to listen she's very inspirational I met her in the set of Empire when I was doing that work uh, extra work that I mentioned earlier today uh, this was like two or three years ago and uh, when I was starting in my acting etc and let me tell you uh, it's never too late I, I just want to finish uh, my comment here um, she's an inspiration my uh, Sergio Bruna uh, who is the First, uh, who was the first ever host uh, of a late night show in Spanish in the United States? Uh, and you can uh, look him up. He's great. He's worked with Larry King. He's a great uh, inspiration for me as well. Those two, Kathleen, Sergio, there's many others out there, but those two uh, have pushed me 
into new levels, into believing. There are great inspirations. I cannot wait to listen to your updated interview uh, with you. Uh, Kathleen. You know, I'm going to be an avid listener for that because she really she's very contagious in into her passion and what she does and sometimes yes. i'm frustrated i'm in touch with her every week and i said kathleen this is not really working i said she always <laughs> tells me it's everything's gonna work out freddie it's gonna work out i mean yes. <laughs> she's a wonderful lady and, and freddie i hope you also will check out the um, past interview i did with her because it shares her artistic journey uh, much like you've done today, and mm-hmm. and I and I'll let folks discover her story. But it, like you said, it is a very inspirational one. I, I definitely will. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, she's she's very inspirational. Well, so are you, my friend. And I thought we would end the episode today uh, with a clip from Girl Assassin: The Search for Caesar. And I uh, tell you what, it's one of the things I uh, love to do is to have a classic radio style approach on my show with carefully selected clips from guests or music. Sometimes I have musicians and singers on. And I just want to let folks know that uh, thank you for all of the emails and messages saying that you really enjoy that part of uh, my show. So thank you so much. And Freddie, wow, how Mm -hmm. exciting to talk with someone who's so skilled with voiceover work, uh, um, in addition to your acting, of course. To talk to someone from Spain, I mean, that's that's an honor for me as well. Um, so I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and please come back soon. I will. I will. I cannot wait I, to update you in the future about how things are going. I hope uh, what we talked about today will help uh, folks get getting started into acting, voiceover, etc. Uh, if, 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 if any listener can take away one or two things out of this, I mean, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'll be, that'll make my day, my month, my year. All right, my friend, all my best to you. And once again, be sure to visit the Hollywood and Beyond social media pages to see some photos and, and to get some more information about my talented guest, Freddie Moyano. And it has been a true pleasure and honor speaking with him today. Well, stay tuned for the clip that I just mentioned that features Freddie uh, as an actor. Uh, and um, also uh, stay tuned afterwards to hear how you can contact me directly by email. Thank you, Stephen. You are most welcome, my friend. All my best to you, and please come back soon. Take take care of your mother. And drink hard. Well... don't want to leave you. Hi, friends and listeners. This is host Stephen Brittingham. Do you happen to have a question or a comment for me? Or perhaps you feel that you might make an interesting guest here on Hollywood and Beyond. Whatever your reason may be, please feel free to contact me anytime directly at the show's official email address. That would be Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com that is Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com I look forward to hearing from you soon Hollywood and Beyond podcast created, produced, and hosted by actor and writer Stephen Brittingham Thank you for listening.